Okay, let's just read chapter chapter two. Glory to Jesus. Verse nineteen says that now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. Praise Jesus. Verse 22 says, Whom you also are builded. You are builded together for an habitation of God through the word, through the Spirit. You are builded together for an habitation of God. So the the purpose, the end of building is to give God a habitation. So it means that if God has not, um, if he hasn't abided, I don't know if that's the tense, if he hasn't found his abode right in you, then the, if you are not, if your building has not provided a habitation for God, then it means that your building is not complete or that there's still work that needs to be done on the inside. Praise Jesus. And it's it's a wonderful sense, you know, to think actually that way. Um, It's, of course, not just to think it, but also to pursue it, that um, this is almost telling you your own resting point. Like at what point should you rest and say, okay, we have arrived. You understand that's the place or your journey of growth or development or being built up, right? It's at this point where your building provides uh, a habitation of God and of course, the, the building where God will 
reside where God will abide has to be built through the spirit, right? Because the, the, only the spirit has the, uh, the, pre, it has the um, requirement that for the building, and he's the only one who has the blueprint of the kind of place where God would dwell. Glory to Jesus. So, so you find that your rest, it should be tied to his rest. That you shouldn't rest. Of course, Paul was letting us know in Romans that there remained a rest. That there is a rest that remains for the children of God. And he was saying that we should, if we know that there's a rest remaining, that we should labor unto, to do it, to enter into rest. And so there is, it means that there's a labor which is required. And it's, it's very clear that the labor which is required for your rest is the labor of building that is required to give God his own rest. Praise God. And remember, therefore, Romans 4, verse 9, there remained therefore a rest unto the people of God, for he that is entered into his rest, he has ceased from his own works, even as God did from his works. The verse 11, let us therefore to enter, let us labor therefore to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of, of unbelief. Praise Jesus. So you're seeing that entering into rest is tied. The rest of God is actually tied to the rest of man. Um, that was the great secret that David discovered. The secret um, of David was he, he understood, David understood the, the secret of God resting. That was also why, you see why he went after, you know, everything that pertains to God's house. The first thing he did, went after the ark of God to bring it back and then began to do everything to, get, to download the blueprint of the, the rest of God. In, I think Psalm 132, let's read Psalm 132, captures the, is that, Psalm 132 is like a summary of, of, of a Davidic heart is an, like kind of a, an exposition into heart or what you call a Davidic attitude. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. Psalm 132 verse 1. If you're there, say amen. amen. Uh, saying that the Lord remembered David and what? And all his afflictions. So you are seeing where the afflictions of David were coming from. It, was, it actually came from something that God found in his heart. That God found something inside David's heart. And he said, okay, I will, I will take you through the, the process, all the afflictions, right, to, that it will take to give birth to that thing in your heart. Even David might not have known what he was carrying. He was just a good, a, a good man with a good heart. But, but heaven could weigh his heart and say, and find his heart costly. 
and precious. They have found David. Praise Jesus. And so all his afflictions, you can, you can call the afflictions of David the labors of David. You know, labor, not just in the terms of doing stuff alone, but in the terms of giving birth to something. Like wanting to, like when a child is about to be born, there is that the season of giving birth, what it takes to bring forth offspring is called labor. Glory to Jesus. And so what was the seed, the, sum, the, the attitude of David's heart was to produce something for God on the earth. It was a, David had the heart of God's rest. Let's read on this place in Psalm 132. Glory to Jesus. Lord, remember David and all his afflictions, how he swore unto the Lord, you see, and vowed unto the mighty God of Jacob. Surely, this was his, his vow, this was his swearing, that surely I will not come into the tabernacle of my house, nor go up into my bed, and I will not give sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids until I find out a place for the Lord and habitation for the word, for the mighty God of Jacob. Praise Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We give you glory. He says, I, I will not give sleep unto my eyes, nor slumber to my eyelids, until I find out a place for the Lord. That's the first thing. There are two things he said he will do. He will find out first a place for the Lord, and secondly, an habitation for the mighty God of who? Jacob. Place for the Lord, and then a habitation for the mighty God of Jacob. So you're seeing he, the concept of buildings, one stacked upon the other. Right, the, the first building is to, is, is, for, is for ownership. You know, the way you, you understand the sense of Christ, right, already, praise God. Hallelujah. That if you are, what, what makes the land really belong to God is, is that you can build on it. Right? The real, the real ownership of the land is where you build on it. So what, takes, what makes the, the land of a heart God's own is the, is the erection of a spiritual building on it. It's actually, it's a, and that building, in God's, in normal terms, is a building, is a house. But in God's sense, it's a foundation. Praise God. That's Christ's sense. Praise Jesus. I'm talking about the God's sense of what the Christ nature is. Now, and of course, because Christ is so awesome, he's so, he's so high, he's so holy, he's so separate, 
he's so sanctified, he's so, he's so spiritual. <laughs> so to us, Christ is, is very high. He's like, Christ is a great, you know, like you say that the name of the Lord is a strong tower. That name is a high name. He said the righteous run into it and they are saved. Praise God. That high, that high, very high building. To, to you, it's like a, it's an impossible skyscraper, which is what it is. So a carnal mind, a carnal mind can see Christ as an impossibility, a total impossibility in terms of the, the nature requirements of Christ, like an impossible, you know a skyscraper, as far as you're concerned, is touching the sky. You get, when you're looking from the ground, you just, you just see something that's just going up to the sky. It's only, it's only a sight from above that realize that is, this can be a foundation. This, this is, you know, there's a limit. It's not really touching the sky. It's just, it's just very high. Praise God. So we need to understand. Um, that's one thing I want to encourage you. Don't judge and conclude matters from your canal position. Give some space. Give some, you understand, give some um, room that there is a, there's a vantage point that if you can grow a bit, you have another, like if, you, if you're able to raise, to journey in that building to a certain floor, you now realize that, yeah, it's, this is high, but there are other, there are some other things can even be higher. Praise God. So, so Christ is a very high tower, but the way God sees Christ, God sees a foundation. That's how God sees. Praise Jesus. A, a foundation that is a, is a foundation and it is also an establishment of ownership. That's how God sees Christ. Um, if, if you bring a bear, a heart to him that doesn't have Christ in it, that doesn't have Christ formed in it, God can say, well, that's nice, but he, he can't have too much of a hope concerning that heart. Yes, it, it can't really be, it can't have any confidence about that heart because it's just, most of the time it's not plain. You can't have to find a person with a plain heart that's just empty without anything. We have all manner of buildings there. Some hearts have pits in them, right? They have you know, all kinds of holes. You know, sometimes when God looks, he just sees holes inside. Praise Jesus. What do I mean by hole? I just mean no, no elevation, no foundation. There's nothing. Praise Jesus. So it's not, it's not, so God cannot, God does not appreciate such a heart. God doesn't commend or appreciate any heart that does not have a spiritual building. Right? God, God looks for spiritual building. He wants to look at a person and he wants to see a spiritual image. He wants to see something spiritual that has been formed on the inside of, of the heart. Praise God. That, and that's how God, if, if God asks, what do I own on the earth? Right? When you want to count God's things that God owns, they won't count those who got born again. You know, I mean in the language of ownership of 
not just um, praise Jesus, not, uh, you know, when you want to, there's a way you can count things you own. Um, if they told you, ah, someone left you, there's something that you own, someone left you a land or something, is somewhere, and they give you the paper, and you see a document, well, this thing is signed to so-and-so property in some, maybe some faraway country or something. It's nice. You take the paper, you clean it, dust it, you file it. So one day we're going we're gonna to handle this thing. We'll go with it. But what if you are taking stock of things, your assets, things you can use in the present, things that are, um, you know, that, that are part of your, you know, your properties that can be used. You, don't, you won't count such a thing. It's nice, you put it aside, but you look more at things that are more tangible for use. That's how it is. That's the difference between a Christian who's born again, but still not yet spiritual, who's still carnal. God just sees, ah, they are named after me. Nice, he will smile, and then he will put it aside. But he can't count that among his, what he owns that he can use. Do you understand? Because God cannot use anything that is not spiritual. If you, are, if you don't have a spiritual nature, you can't function. God can't use a nature that is not spiritual. So it doesn't count as ownership. So Christ actually is, a, is an establishment, a mark of, of effective ownership of God. When God now says, okay, I own this one. Now I can start to use it. Then I will now start my own building on this, this thing. That, that foundation, that spiritual nature, the nature of Christ, is what God is looking for. Praise Jesus. So you now realize that a lot of what we have been doing for, for, for a while is just trying to build the spiritual nature. That we haven't yet, the earth hasn't yet, yet, began to experience the season of God's building. It's another season entirely when God now begins to develop his own building. You know, God can build in man. And we see these things. We have, by God's grace, we have been able to perceive the spiritual nature because of those people who, by God's grace, by through the word of righteousness, I've been able to journey beautifully into attainment of such things. But after a while, you will begin to perceive the divine nature, which has its own fragrance. It has its own beauty. It has its own height. You understand? It has, praise God. Hallelujah. Um, so we're not talking about fairy tales. Amen. Like, you know, some of the teachings we've been doing for some time, there's a way that, you know, if you are not too strong, you can just, ah, because you're not seeing how it touches ground and touches home too much. Uh, but we need, to, um, we need to be strong. Remember, it's precept upon precept. Precept upon precept. Line upon line. Line. You can't, the lines will not appear. Line has to do with building. Doesn't appear without precept being laid where, upon what, precept. It's not precept, then line. It's precept upon precept. Not once, precept upon precept again. 
is, these are prophetic attitude. The, the prophet was trying to describe, because these are intricate things. To, they, they have to let us know the, how God, because he knows that we can get discouraged easily. So they have to show the attitude of development, that don't get discouraged about development. It is precept upon precept, precept upon precept. So when they are laying precept upon precept, so it means seasons of precept before they even begin to talk about lines being laid. Do you get what I'm saying? And this precept upon precept can be years. Maybe just the first precept upon precept. Might be years. You are just in the world of precept. Souls can lose heart here. Right? You just precept, 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 precept. Ah, ah. <laughs> Praise God. So, but this is mentioned twice. Precept upon precept. Must be upon precept. Precept must be upon precept. Precept upon precept. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> so, the strength, there must be so much strength for the invisible. There must be. In the season when Precept is being laid upon precept. Love must be found in your heart. Right? Like First Peter was saying that, whom have you not seen? We love. We haven't seen him. You must love him. That word seen means he's not yet appearing. Whom you have not yet seen, you love. In whom though now you see him not, yet believing, you would rejoice with what? Joy that is unspeakable. There is what? Do you know that there is joy of precept? David Titus showed us all those attitude of before, praise God. David, 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 before he ever won any, any conquest, David was, was an inheritor of joys. What do I mean by that? I mean, David, David, he journeyed into the joy of the, of the precepts. Do you understand that? Before, before he made any conquest in time of solitude, that was where a lot of his psalms were born. Imagine such a thing. <laughs> You know that all of those psalms, rejoice in the Lord, I say rejoice. He wasn't writing those things. Maybe after every victory has been won, he was sitting down in the palace and chewing chicken and say, Lord, rejoice. Finally, you have delivered everything. Look at Psalm. The longest chapter in the Bible was David. It was just Davidic heart about precept. You know, that was all Psalm 119 was about. It wasn't, it wasn't, that's a 119 wasn't writing about victories of war. 
He wasn't writing about conquest. And David was a mighty man who, if he were to write, wants to write about things of victory, conquest, you know, how God helped him to deliver things into his hands. Maybe his longest writing would have been about that. That would have been, but that was not David. David just wrote a whole chapter about in a season when things are not appearing. But, well, all he had was word. Do you get that? There are things we should learn from David. So much, so much that David is a blueprint for those who want to inherit the throne of God. Praise Jesus. Oh, how I love thy law. They are my meditation. They are nine. Just pouring, you know. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to go to Psalm 109 because it's too long. There are many things there. Glory to God. You can read it on your own just to, to drink from. You should be drinking David. You know, when, you, when you're tired of scripture, you just go put to 119. Whatever you get, maybe one-tenth of the way, your attitude will change. Something will adjust inside of you. Praise Jesus. Just writing about the, all he was celebrating was precepts. Celebrating precepts. Just singing, writing concerning it. This was, he found sweetness in the, in meditation. Staying upon the precepts. So that would tell you, by the time David moved into a season of warfare, you know that, if you are fighting against him, you're not fighting against an ordinary man. He was not an ordinary person by that time. It's like you're, you're fighting against a, 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 you're fighting against a victor. You're fighting, you're, you're fighting. Every, every war David fought, he had won in his meditation already. He has finished everything that's, I'd finished it. <laughs> Praise God. David was terrible. David was terrible. The, the way you will know, they didn't give us too much insight of what he was doing in the battlefield, but the way you will know David was terrible. Go and read about the mighty men of David. Have you read about those in Chronicles, right? Deadly folks. They say one of them with just one, one fling of the sword. How many people did he kill? I forgot how many people. Have you read that one before? Can you remember how many number of people he killed? Terrible men. David raised all of them. Oh, so how was David himself? And he didn't go to military school. He went to school of precepts. So you mean precept can raise a king? Precept can raise a warrior? Precept can raise a fighter? You want to read this thing? Let's read. Let's read a little. First Chronicles, chapter eleven. Verse 11, and this is the number of the mighty men whom David had. Their names, even. Joshua, 
Shubim and Hakbonite and the chief of the captains, he lifted up his spear against 300, slain by him at one time. <laughs> so these are David's boys, right? What's the next verse? What does it say? And after him was Eleazar, son of Dodo. He was one of the three <laughs> mighties. Praise God. So imagine these guys who, who David raised. And, you know, and all of them had this heart. So he, he, wasn't just, he didn't just teach them how to fight. He, didn't just, he wasn't just teaching them how to do, make war and all of that. No, he was... He imparted his own kind of heart into them because that was, that was his strength. It wasn't just military. It was something on the inside which David had. You can tell their heart when, I think, they were fighting the Philistines and then three of them out of his men. David just, all David said is that, oh, if I will have a cup to drink from the well, of, there was a well, he described the well, and that well happened to be in the middle of the Garrison or for the Pharisees. And David Long, 1 Corinthians verses, chapter 11, verse 17. And David longed and said, Oh, that one would give me drink of the water of the well of Bethlehem that is at the gate. Verse 18. And the three, so I thought they mentioned the three of them, the three break through the host of the Philistines and drew water out of the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate and took it and brought it to David, but David would not drink of it, but poured it out, what? Because to him, this is your life, you have, you've, you know, imagine just three men breaking into the camp of the Philistines, just because David just said, oh, that someone will give me water. That's the kind of heart that these guys had. Praise Jesus. So, which is the same kind of heart, the heart of sacrifice that David imparted unto them. Glory to God. Let's, let's, Let's um, go back um, to that Psalm, Psalm 132. Glory to Jesus. So I, I was just trying to tell you, don't, be, don't get tired in this season when they are laying precept upon what? Upon precept. You have to receive it with joy. Whom having not seen, you love, yet what? Believing. With joy, what? unspeakable and full of glory. Glory to Jesus. Praise God. Said, I will not give sleep to mine eyes, nor slumber to my what? Eyelids until I find out a place for the Lord, and then what? An habitation for the God of Jacob. So if there is no place for the Lord, then that thing called habitation, which uh, Paul was speaking about in um, that Ephesians where we read, what was he saying? He called it Ephesians chapter 2. It says, in whom you are also builded together for, and what? An habitation of who? Of God through the Spirit. So, of course, you can't be builded um, into an habitation of God, first of all, if your heart has not become a place for the Lord. 
Say, please for the Lord. Sorry, let me open Ephesians. getting used to this Bible. Okay. So it says, in whom are, are all the buildings fitly framed together, great unto an holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also, so you see first of all, verse 21, the, first of all the building must be framed together and grow first into what you call an holy temple in the Lord. So this is what you call, what Psalm 132 is calling a place for the Lord first. That what makes it a place for the Lord is the situation of the holy temple within the heart. Amen. Amen. And then so when that place of the Lord, the heart has become a holy temple in the Lord, then verse two now says in him, you are also, I love the word also, is now talking of, and after the first one, now it's very clear, this, this holy temple is the what? The nature of what? Of Christ. Praise God. That after that has been built, then in whom ye also are builded together. So it's another building together. Another one for this time and habitation of God through the spirit then, which is what um, is called in Psalm 132, an habitation for the word, the mighty God of Jacob. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. So you're seeing there that this David is, um, this attitude is saying, I will not rest. I won't give sleep to my eyes. I will not give sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids until I find out, until these two things are within my soul. Now, the, the world will do everything to, to make you, to, to give you rest, or to make you pursue rest without giving God rest. Amen. The world will do what will make, will do everything. It will manipulate your feelings, manipulate your your, you know, the things around your life do a lot. There's so much the world is designed to do, to try and uh, to lure the, the soul out of this vocation of giving God a rest. But David is saying that I have, I have swear unto the Lord. You see, first swearing unto the Lord, that's verse two. Then secondly, vow unto the mighty God of Jacob. So this, this swearing, then this vow, they are talking about commitment, covenants. Do you see covenants? These are covenants of the heart which David has made. He has, he's first, he made a covenant with the Lord. It's a, it's a kind of, is a kind of an inward vow which he has made concerning their habitation. All David is just saying that they are just there too often in his own time, the physical um, you know, buildings associated with it or tasks, which is 
He had to fight the war to take, found Zion, you know, in Jerusalem, praise God, to create a place for the temple and then to deliver the blueprint of the raising of the house, which ultimately was given to his son Solomon, which his, so, which his son Solomon was able to raise. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. So, these, let's, let's just read on a little bit. Let's see. Um, verse 6 says that, Lo, we heard of it at Ephrata. We found it in the fields of the woods. We go into his tabernacles. We worship at his footstool. Arise, O Lord, into thy rest, thou and the ark of thy strength. Let thy priest be clothed with righteousness, and let thy saints shout for joy. For thy servant David's sake, turn not away the face of thine anointed. The Lord has sworn in truth. So you're seeing swearing for one swearing awakening another swearing. Do you see that? One what? Swearing awakening what? Another swearing. See the Lord has sworn in truth unto David that he will not turn from it. He will not turn from it. Of the fruit of thy body will I set upon what? Thy throne. Of the fruit of thy body will I do what? Set upon thy throne. Verse 12. If thy children, so the Lord is now explaining this, that if thy children will keep my covenant and my testimony that I shall teach them, then their children shall also Sit upon what? Thy what? Throne forevermore. For the Lord had chosen Zion. He had desired it for his habitation. This is my rest forever. Here will I dwell. For I have what? Desired it. I will abundantly bless her provision. I will satisfy her poor with bread. I will also clothe her priest with salvation. And her saints shall do what? Shout aloud for joy. And then there will I make the horn of David to board. And I have ordained a lamp for my anointed. And his enemies will I clothe with shame. But upon himself shall his crown flourish. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, the Lord swore, he was swearing in truth unto David, then he was, and he's saying that I will take I will take of the fruit of thy body and I will set of the fruit of thy body upon thy throne. Now, this, the throne is already his, which is, as far as God is concerned, this throne belongs to you. Why will the throne belong to you? Because of you, I found something in your heart. But before David found him, he said, I found David, a man after my heart. By that time, God had already given him the throne. 
God has already, in his heart, God has already given him this, this, this kind of man who has this kind of an attitude. Nobody thinks like this kind of, but this man is thinking in this way. Then because of this kind of thing found in his heart, I will, I will give him, I will give him the, the throne. It's just a matter of how to bring it to pass. How will I give David my throne? Praise Jesus. Now, so, what you are seeing now is that the Lord has to then find a way to bring, um, to bring out generations of David. It means that the Davidic heart has to give birth twice. Praise God. When I say give birth twice, I don't mean give birth to two things. I mean give birth, then what, that, what he gave birth to has to give birth again. Then after those two seasons or generations of birth, the final one is the candidate of the throne. Are you understanding me? So first thing, the, the initial heart, the initial Davidic heart. What is inside that Davidic heart that make God want to say, I've named this throne after this man? It's because of what was found in the heart of David is the precepts of God. Yeah. <laughs> those, it's those precepts. It's those, those precepts that tune David that way. Is the precepts. Is the precepts. It's precepts. Say precepts. precepts. It's precepts. One thing that precepts make you do is to make vow. <laughs> do you understand me, sir? That's why before sometimes they want to, they want to begin to lay lines, but they will just leave you in the world of precepts. And they will, they will help me watching you. Let's see how this person... Deals. They see their attitude around the precepts. It's not everywhere. They just go and start trying to build things in. Amen. In where I, where I came from, I mean, in uh, in the part of the country where uh, I I grew up in. You know, in Nigeria, they have three levels of government. There's the federal government, there is the state government, and then there's the what? Uh-huh. But I then realized that it's not just three levels of government that, that praise God, there is another one called the, the real government. That one, uh, some of the guys who, are, who work in the local government, they work in the other one. <laughs> it's the government of the, the area boys, the area fathers, the, uh, there's a, a word they call them, is a Benin language in the neighborhood. Uh, they are the area fathers. So those ones, they are the real guys who are the government. So that place, you can, you can buy a land, you have the paper of the land. <laughs> Do you understand me? 
you pay money, they give you, they sign everything nice. You, to you, you have a land, but there are some guys that that land, they know that they are the ones. It doesn't matter who owns the land and sold it to you. Someone who owns the land can sell it to you, but to them, that does not register to them. <laughs> Do you get what I mean? They, to them, that land is their perpetual property. Sell it a hundred times. At the end of the day, it's who they decide to give it to. So if you really want that land, after buying it, then you have to come to those guys and try and negotiate the land <laughs> from them. And my dad had, you know, and people, people that he knew, they had all kinds of wahala with those guys. All kinds of things happen. You can buy land and you're just at home, you feel like you bought a land. But the next time you're driving by, you see the sky, a two-story building. If Christ is not taking someone, might have moved in and be living there. Why? Because the guys who really own the land decided who they, you know? <laughs> Praise Jesus. That's the way it is with hearts. Ah, you are born again, it doesn't mean that heaven can just come and start building things. They are, that born again fellow has made covenants. Say covenants. They are existing covenants and when you have covenant, the owner of that covenant is beside, is beside watching. That when it comes to that covenant, there is, uh, uh, praise Jesus, the way, the way ownership is of that, that land or call is not by paper. It's who, who has the, who built on it, who, whose house is standing on the plot. I don't know if you get what I'm trying to say. That's why someone can be born again, but God might not see you as his own. There's a way, there's, God knows there's a framework, there's a legal framework by which soul is different from spirit. There's a way you can own a spirit. When you're coming to the world of the soul, you can realize you don't have any ownership ground. Why? Because of established or existing vows. Vows, when I say vow, you can call it vow, like David calls it swearing here. Right, or you can call it covenant. The same thing, that's what Isaiah 28 calls it covenant. You know, we're sp- speaking about line upon line. Let's read that quickly. Thank you, Jesus. At Isaiah 28. So when you are when you are you are thinking of of building, then you must keep in mind that there's no low land is free. Every building will involve the what the the um, praise God Hallelujah. the confrontation. There has to be a confrontation with existing agreements, existing covenants. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. The word of the Lord was precept unto precept. Glory to God. Thank God for that. Verse 14 
28 verse 14, wherefore hear the word of the Lord, you scornful men that rule these people which is in Jerusalem. This, this is what they, when they say scornful men, say scornful. Scornful men that rule these people. He's talking about the rule that is within the, the dominion that is exerted that, that on that land that they want to build on, where they want to lay these lines on. Right there, there's an existing dominion. And that dominion has a scornful conversation. Do you understand that? Now, what does this say in verse 15? Because you have said, we have made a covenant with death, and with hell are we at what? Agreement. That when the overflowing scourge shall pass through, it shall not come unto us, for we have made lies our refuge. And then under falsehood have we what heed. So when you say refuge, every refuge is a building. So we are seeing the, what is the structure on this land, what you call lies, praise God, and falsehood. Lies and what? Falsehood are the established structures. So you ask me, who are these men here? Who are these scornful men, scornful men that rule these people? Who are they? Who are they? Who are the scornful men that rule these people? They are the men within the men. You don't, do you understand me? They are the what? Men within the men. The men within what? These are the guys who built the house. Say men. Who are the men? When you say man, a man is here, used here, is anything in you that can talk, that can, do you understand me? That is developed to have a say. And there are many inside us. Multitude. Of uh, <laughs> Amen. Amen. They are the the I'm talking about the inward army of the heart. Right? Do you know that? The way God made his soul, that every soul is a multitude, right? You, you should know these things, you know. Have you tried fighting your heart before? And I discover you are many. Right? Inside. You, you can say, I, I am going to do this. Inside you, you can, you can have many echoes. We are not going to do it. It's not what. <laughs> Refuser from for with thee. Guys who have tried to change you, do you understand what I'm talking about? Those uh-huh. <laughs> if you haven't tried to change before, you won't get what I'm saying. You won't understand if you have Say we. 
Anytime you are dealing with soul, you are dealing with multitude. That's how, that's how God described the soul as Israel. It's a nation, it's a people. It's a, that's just soul. When you see the Israel behaving, just think of one soul, how your soul is. That's how you should see, see it. So it means that the, the disobedience is not disobedience of one, one man, it's, it's multitude. Agreements. So, so this, <laughs> praise God, let's, this psalm, sorry, Isaiah 28, says, because ye have said, we, ye scornful men, wherefore hear ye the word of the Lord, ye scornful men, that rule these people. So he's talking about the, the inward conversation of dominion. The, those are Satan's boys who are strained within the hearts of men. They're the ones who enforce the dominion. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I know this con, this con is the is a maturity of, of sin, right? As David was putting it in Psalm 1, right? Blessed is the man that walked not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the way of sinner, then then sit in the seat. So all these men are seated. They have seated position. When do you sit? Rest. When you have, you, you sit when you finish building. That's, they, they sit under the refuge. That's what they are saying. We've made lies our refuge. And falsehood, what? So they found, is a house. They built a house which they are sitting in there, resting. <laughs> Do you understand me? They, the, the world doesn't want, want it to be dead to those inhabitants. But you read the Bible, it will, it will awaken, awaken you to them. Ah, so, so my land has inhabitants, like Israel, when they were going to the promised land, you know, there are, are all kinds of multitude of entities who are in that land. That's the way it is. The land of your soul has inhabitants as well. All of those inhabitants, they are, they are, they are conversations that, that enter that seed. For each seed the devil cast into the heart, it rises up as a, as a man. As a stature, is strong with conversation, with answers, reasons, scorn. Do you get what I'm saying? Now, who are these men that we're talking about inside? I'm just talking about the mature fruit of thoughts. That's why you should be careful what what thoughts come that you are allowed to take ground in your heart. Because every thought that you are, that you are allowed to be sown will become a man if it, if it grows. After a while, we have a seat in your heart and begin to establish dominion according to its, its, its DNA. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Praise Jesus. Because you have said we have made a covenant with death. So this is, 
You know, when you read this thing, you'll be like, no, I can never say that. I never say, I, we, no, I don't. Death, not me. <laughs> Praise God. But the, that is what they call members. All right? They are... They are the, the members of, the in, of your inward house. They can enter into covenant on your behalf. We have made a covenant with death and with hell are we what? In agreement. When the overflowing scourge shall pass, this overflowing scourge is actually speaking concerning the waters of God and of Christ. That when it's trying to overflow and, and flow through the, the land, the terrain, they now say that we've built things in there that can shield against the flow. It shall not come to us, for we have made lies. Say lies. Ah! If only you can get the mission. That. All the, the things in you that have gained strong ground are established on lies. Do you get that? On what? Lies. lies. So you mean that lie can become a house. Right, the lies can become a house, a place of what? Of refuge. This scourge is the flow of the, the waters of God. Is the, this scourge is the flood of God, the flood of Christ and the flood of God. You wonder when you see a soul, you're trying to push flood to, to them. You know, you're trying to, you know you, how you can, and this is the preacher, this is what preachers do. Preachers try to create path for the flood of God to arrive at the land. And God can be doing that to his soul, sending people to the soul to try and create pathway to direct the flood and the waters of God to the heart. Are you seeing about, you can find a soul, water is landing, what was happening? The, something is, there's always a response. There's always an excuse. There's always a reason. There's a, why? Because of this. That's the sign there's a house in the build. Something is a building. But there's a building on the inside. That building can speak. When you get near to it, voices echo. Hey, stop there. Don't come near. This house is occupied. No trespassing. <laughs> Private property. Yes, no trespassing, no loitering, nothing. <laughs> this, is just, this is the way hearts are, you know what I mean? Hearts are like this. Say, 
property. Amen. Amen. So, so we have we have made a covenant with death, and with hell are we at agreement. When the overflowing scourge shall pass through, it shall not come to us, for we have made lies our refuge, and under falsehood have we what have we hid. So, that what is a refuge? That we've made lies our refuge. Right, even so the person in whom that refuge is built doesn't even know how to tear it down. Right, when, when there's a query from, from the spirit to the man, what will happen? They will post a letter from the house and say this is, the re- this is, our, this is our response. This is our reply. They say it's time to build God a house. Okay. Type the letter of response to this plan. Have you seen where they build house on house before? <laughs> this house has been taken. We have been occupying this house. You know? This house is established. We have a covenant with hell and that is sealed. This is our reply. <laughs> Praise God. I'm talking about the, the depths. The, the depths. Hmm? It, that thing is so, it's strong. It's a, it's a lies. You know what lies are? What we call lies. Lies is a, is a product of, of a spirit, a cherub. It's the invention of a cherub. With all his oil, all his anointing, right? His, his wisdom, the framing of his wisdom. Lies are solid. Do you understand? They are, they are solid. Lies are buildings within the soul, within the heart of man. So when, when, that, that, when, you, when you reach a house of a person who is like that, you can... Preach the gospel to him. His mind will agree. Ah! Wow, he's loving it. He hasn't checked with the, the inhabitants. Do you understand what I mean? The, the, the inhabitants, he hasn't checked with them. He's just enjoying. The, oh, what a nice idea. If you, he can almost see himself in that world. But when it's time to to do what now, to, ah, when they now say, okay, you've heard, have you, of, you like the message, you like the message, okay, can you open now, let's enter. That's when, it's okay, I'm coming now, let me check with, that's when the the heart begins to speak. What's the language of the heart? Hey, it begins to, you begin to see commitments. You know, that's, you know that's what fights the gospel. That's what fight what fights the what fights change, transformation, are commitments. Can you shift to the other side? Wow, that's a nice idea. Oh, lovely place. It'd be nice to live there. 
Oh yeah, can you move to that place? What will happen? All of a sudden, things that you are committed to in this domicile begin to rise up. You begin to just seek commitments. These commitments, they are life commitments. All right, they are commitment to your life as it is in the present. Tied to many things that if you evaluate what you are committed to, you won't just see hell. It will look legitimate, very legitimate things. <laughs> but ultimately, it stops movement. Are you getting me? So you need, you need something powerful that can tear down the house of lies. Praise Jesus. Can do what? What is the answer to it? It's another building. This, this fight is, is building versus building. Building versus building. Building versus what? Versus building. It's not just building versus building. It's, in, it's, it's inhabitant versus inhabitants. Glory to God. Under falsehood have we hid ourselves, verse 16. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation, a stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. And he that believeth shall not make haste. Verse 17. Judgment also will I lay to the line, and righteousness to the plummet. And he shall... And the hail shall sweep away the refuge of lies. And the what? Waters shall overflow what? The hiding place. And your covenant with death shall be disannulled. And your agreement with hell shall not stand. When the overflowing scourge shall pass through, then ye shall be what? Trodden down. Praise God. I, I love this. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. There is, you see, I, this this, what, I love this thing. It says that, behold, the Lord, said the Lord God, I lay in Zion. I love it, I lay in Zion. I lay in Zion. I lay in Zion. I lay in Zion. Glory to Jesus. I remember no other foundation can be laid than that which is already laid.
In Zion, for a foundation is stone, then a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. And he that what believeth shall not what? Then verse 17, now we begin to speak about the, the importation of that which is laid in Zion. Because you can summarize everything that is laid in Zion as judgment and righteousness. <laughs> Do you agree with me? They are what? Judgment and what? And righteousness. So judgment will also lay to the line and righteousness to the plummet and the hail shall sweep away. The what? I love the word hail. Hail is simple. Hail is a stone that falls from heaven. The way I'm seeing here, all I'm seeing is just the picture of Daniel's vision. Remember that vision? Of that image. What destroyed that image is a stone. Where, Where did the stone fall from? Daniel 2 verse, thank you. Glory to Jesus. And then thou sawest, if I describe the image and everything, let's not go into all of that. Verse 34, it says, and thou sawest till a stone was cut out without hands, which smote the image upon his feet that were what? Of iron and clay and did what? Break them into what? Pieces. Verse 35. Then was the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver, and the gold, what? Broken to pieces together and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them away that no place was found for them. And the stone that smote the image became a great mountain. And then did what? And fill the whole earth. Verse 36. Amen. Are we going? Thank you. Then this is the dream, and we will tell the word interpretation thereof. Now, go to where they describe the stone in the interpretation. Quickly. Glory to God. Verse 45. For as much as thou sawest that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that, that now watch this, I want you to see the graphics of what they describing. So it means that it's, there is a mountain where they went to the mountain and cut out the stone from the mountain. That mountain is Zion, which is what God laid. Right, it's first the foundation, then a tristone, he's heaping, he's heaving up the mountain. So the description of Isaiah 28, verse 16, sorry, yeah, verse 16, is what, what God has laid in Zion. Do you get what? So it means what God has laid in Zion, there is a method. Is a, when they say it was cut out without hands, is a spiritual method, right, through which they can, and I'm sure they must have cut that stone out of every strata of the mountain. Do you understand what I mean? 
and they, they, must, they must have cut it out. Praise God, it was cut out of the mountain with their hands, and it then break in pieces the iron, the brass, so it began to dissolve the stratas of the building. Are you getting what I'm saying? The brass, the clear, the silver, the gold. Then it says, the great God had made known unto the king what shall come to pass hereafter, and the dream is setting, and then what? The interpretation thereof, sure. Praise God. What's the next verse? Thank you. So he worshiped and, and amen. Um, you know the summary of that vision was, that image was the image of the evolution of dominions. Right? Evolution of what? Dominion. What kind of dominions? Earthly dominions which have been, which have been married to, to evil spiritual dominions. And he showed them, he showed their evolutions of them. Glory to Jesus. So it's very clear that, and then when this stone comes and destroys that dominion, it will be the bringing in of another dominion. Entirely, that's the full interpretation of this dream. Amen. Amen. This is not the interpretation. Is this the... Praise God. We need some speed in this department. We will receive Holy Ghost speed in Jesus' name. Yeah. I'm not that quick in... Okay. My Bible. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Glory to God. Amen. Verse um, 41. Let's just jump to verse 43. So this is the actual interpretation. And, and whereas thou sowest iron mixed with, clay, with miry clay, right, that they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men. Do you see that? But they shall not cleave one toward another, even as iron is not what, mixed with clay. Verse 44. And in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall what? Stand forever. So it means that that stone was a kingdom, right? It's a kingdom that was coming. It says that in the days of these kings are the, the God of heaven. Who are, who are these kings? These are the, the kings that are speaking. We have made a covenant, Isaiah 28. He's talking of inward kings who have taken over the dominion inside the hearts of men. Are you seeing this bronze, this statue? It's inside men. 
is inside man. It's standing inside the inside man. It's, see all the evolution of dominions. When you trace how is sin reigning, you would trace all the different attributes of sin's reign. You would trace it to generations of dominions. So sin reigns with mastery. There's a way that sin reigns in the heart of men. It's not easy to just yank it off and to just go away. It's, it's, a, it's a habitation. Glory to Jesus. But God, the Bible says that the God of heaven will do what? Set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall what? Break in what? Pieces. I love it. Break in pieces. And consume all these kingdoms. So that, that house of lies shall be broken. Amen. Glory to God. Back quickly to um, Isaiah. Isaiah 28. Praise God. Verse 17, judgment also will I lay to the line and righteousness to the word plummet. So when he's saying I will lay judgment to the line, righteousness, he's talking about the strata, the wisdom, the way the, the mountain is, is, the way it's laid in Zion. Right, he will, he will bring it, glory to God. He will bring that building upon this house of lies and falsehood, and it says, and the hail shall sweep you. Using the word hail, you know hail is like, almost like ice that is falling. So ice is like, it's like water, you see. So when he spoke, spoke about this, um, um, sorry, the, the waters and the, the scourge, what do you say? They were flowing scourge, right? Is, Speaking about water that will come, but you're saying that it won't come as a liquid. So it will be <laughs> different. It will come as a stone. Right? I know that's what Christ is. Christ is water crystallized. Right? Like you saw Christ in the wilderness following them. When they say speak to him, water came out of him through speaking to him. Right? It means that that rock is actually a water that you can drink from. And it's very clear that if Christ is a water that is a rock, God also is a water that is a rock. Right? God himself flows. He showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal. So it's actually crystalline water that can also crystallize as well. You know, God is also a rock. He's called the rock of ages. Right? He's... Not only, Christ is not only the only rock, God is also a rock as well. Praise Jesus. So, so you're seeing this hail here. It's not, it's not just liquid. We're talking about, we're talking about a, a rock, rocky formation. Praise, praise God. And, and, uh, uh, judgment will I lay to the line, righteousness to the plummet, and the hail shall sweep away the refuge of lies. So it means that this house will be actually swept away. It will be swept away. It means that the hail will, will be brought to bear. 
this, this operation is, um, praise God, this operation is the, um, is the, thank you Jesus, is the description of how they will, how they dismantle wrong buildings inside the heart. Glory to God. How they dismantle what? Wrong buildings inside the heart. You see, all of this conversation is beyond precepts. It's beyond what? Precept. It is, you are, you are, you are, you are moving into the world of Line. Praise God. And the world of stature is also the realm of grace. Now, what is grace? Grace is solid material. What is grace? It's grace is spiritual formation. Right, it's, it is, it's solid material that liquefies and solidifies. It can liquefy to flow. That is grace for you. Grace can liquefy to flow. Grace can become solid again. Amen. Amen. Say, not by power, not by mind, but by my spirit, said the Lord. I brought forth the headstones with shoutings. Grace, grace, grace to it. Are you seeing that stone which they brought forth? That headstone is a rock. Who art thou, O great mountain, before Zerubbabel? Thou shalt become a plain. This, what is this great mountain? It's a, it's, an, it's a mountain of falsehood. It's a mountain of lies. It's, oh, great mountain. It is the mountain that is before the river bed. He said, go and build temple. He went there and he saw a mountain in the land where the temple should be. This mountain, it would take priestly eyes to see it. Maybe they couldn't say that there was a mountain there. Maybe no one could see he took the vision of Zechariah to see that there's actually a mountain. Like that, and that mountain is what has been stopping the house from being built all this time. Do you see that? It's like that vision of, the, of Daniel. You can compare the vision of Daniel. When they hewed the stone from a mountain, when the stone fell upon the image, it scattered everything. The wind came, it blew everything away. Then what happened to the stone? It then became a great mountain. Did you read it? The stone then grew itself to become, well, it means that growing of the stone is the, is the building of the temple. So you must, you have to dismantle what was there Praise God, and the stone that, that smote the image became a great mountain and did what? And filled what? The whole earth. Filled the entire 
place, the entire land where there was mountains. So what, what that old great mountain before Zerubbabel? Thou shalt become a plain, of course. So Isaiah and Daniel describing to us how will this mountain become a plain? You know, this is a, can be an impossibility. You, you know, sometimes your nature is what discourages you most of the, most of the time. When, when glorious things are spoken concerning who you ought to become, you always compare it. Hey, this thing, car. What are you seeing? Mount. Tame. A house of lies. A refuge of lies. House of lies and of falsehood. Praise God. But, but thank God for this deliverance. What thou, great mountain, before what? Zerubbabel. Thou shalt become what? A plain. And then he shall then bring forth the what? Headstone. Thereof with what? Shoutings, crying. Grace, what? Grace unto it. Verse 8. It says, Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, verse 9. That the hands of Zerubbabel had laid the foundation of this house. His hands shall also finish it. And thou shalt know that the Lord of hosts has sent me unto you. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So this thing called, um, this shouting of grace. Grace, what's that? Grace, grace to it. Grace, go back again. Of course, not by power, not by mind, but by my spirit. But go back to grace. We're shouting, shoutings, crying, grace first. Grace unto it. So he's talking about two graces. Two grace um, installed, or two seasons. Aligning with John chapter 1. Right? And of his fullness receive, and grace for grace. Right? Two, two grace dispensation. Glory to Jesus. So what we call the headstone is actually a, there is, Christ is the head of the corner, right? What is actually is a stone that should, that carries another stone on it. Glory to Jesus. Because we realize that this stone is actually a branch. <laughs> if, this, if a stone is a branch, then we, where it branch out from? Is it not a stone as well? In chapter, was it chapter where you spoke about the bring for the, sorry, this chapter three, sorry. So here now, Joshua the high priest and thou, and thy fellows that sit before thee, for they are men wondered at. For behold, I will bring forth my servant the branch. Verse 8, verse 9, sorry. For behold, the stone that I have laid before Joshua, upon one stone shall be seven eyes. Behold, I will engrave the graven thereof, said the Lord of hosts. I will remove the iniquity of the land in, what? in one day. Praise Jesus. So, so it means that this stone is actually it's a branch, right, which is branch. Now, we know that the branch is the Lord. 
the, 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 the branch is who? The Lord. That, that branches out from who? That branches out from God. So, so it's very clear that this, the branch or Christ is a stone that is the child of another stone. Do you agree? Is a stone that is the what? The child of what? Of another stone. Mm -hmm. Praise God. Or is a stone that is a spring from another stone. Glory to God. Now, you see, all these stony, these stony natures are gracious natures. They are what? They are gracious natures. Grace is stony in nature. And it's also, we are talking about grace that is hard. That was stony means hard. But it's hard, but it's also liquid. It also flows. Amen. Amen. When you see, when grace, grace, the power of grace, when our grace manifests, grace is powerful. Grace is powerful. Praise God. What, what the presence of precepts cannot do, when grace comes, grace will do it. Do you agree with me? Yes, what, what, what precepts cannot do? Yes. Precepts, are, it's, it's to, um, it's to, the, the season of precept, which must be laid, is to create the, um, is to create the, I don't just say create the atmosphere, but it's to set the scene for there to be a flow of grace, or an operation of grace. Has grace hit you before? If, you, if, grace, has, has, if, you have, if grace has hit you before, you understand what I'm saying? Grace doesn't waste time. Right? When you've been hearing precept, hey. Precept, you, you read the precept, read it, read it. Sometimes you make up, I will do you. I will. You keep reading, deciding, deciding, and you are doing your best. <laughs> but when there is a house inside that doesn't align with that, those precepts, when it comes to your movement, when it comes to the living out of those things, there can be a resistance that precept by itself cannot deal with. Yes. Precept can't deal with a house. Yes. Because <laughs> anything you say, the house has its own conclusion. So we, we are not just talkers, we have refuge. Yes. Do you get what I'm saying? It's, there's things that, the thing that you want to remove from your nature is sitting there in its resting place. It has a garrison on the inside. Do you get what I'm saying? So it, it will not go out by suggestion. Praise God. The, what, what precept, 
to do is to precept calls for grace. Right? Grace flow where precepts are present. When, when the precepts are present, grace will find it. Have you, ever, have you ever experienced some situation before where something that you are deciding, you are, you are drawing your feet on, maybe an obedience or a, a change or transformation that you are strugglingly trying, you are fighting back and forth, today you agree, tomorrow you don't, to that kind of thing. Then you just, you, you come into contact with a person who has the building of that thing you are struggling with? Do you get what I'm trying to say? It's not just they have the buildings inside of them. In, when you come into their zone, in, the, in that moment, your house becomes silent. And if care is not taken, hang out there. Long enough. Yes, sir. What will happen to you? What will happen? You will discover that what that thing in them is stony yes. in nature. Grace is stony. Grace doesn't ask questions. Grace lands. Grace. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Hey, I think I'm trying to use to use all the English I have to describe something to you. That's the, the secret behind persons. It's a secret of New Testament that change doesn't just, just travel alone in precept. That's not, if you are only, any Christian stuff that's just about precept alone, you will, you will, you will be there for too long. Change will not occur. Do you get what I'm saying? That's something that would be, be within our Christian culture. Why? Because grace resides in persons. Why? Because grace is building. <laughs> Do you understand? What I mean is that you don't find stone on the air. Have you ever seen a house floating? It's not on the land, it's just. <laughs> so we have a house to sell to you. Where's the house? Uh, wait, let me go and bring it. It's in the cloud. <laughs> I packed the house in the backyard. Let me go and bring the house. House is not, does it work like that? They will say, let me go and show you the house. Yes. Means the house is on a land somewhere. Yeah. You know, but foolish Christianity doesn't believe in lands. It believes that houses are floating. It means that you can come into inheritance without persons, without, it's just Bluetooth something, just Bible precepts, you know, we just learn it, get the revelation. If you knew it, it will start <laughs> manifesting. <laughs> Do you understand? 
that thing was possible, believe me, there would have been no reason Jesus would have never appeared to Paul. Never. He would have had no need. All Paul would have just seen was a vision. Something like that. Then he would just go and start reading Bible. And then every, all the devilish formation in him would just change. Easy. But it's not like that. Paul had to jam a rock. That was, they had to design it that let him hit. Let him, he had to jam a rock. Saul, Saul, what persecuted down me? Hey, when he saw him, what happened? Right from that moment. Do you know, because that was the presence of Jesus. There was something about Jesus, even in his words alone. His, his rocky formation was, was oozing out of him. When Saul was speaking to him, he knew I'm talking to a rock. I'm, I'm speaking to a different kind of being. How can you? It, it is hard to kick against the pricks. I know the, the ministry of Jesus, what Jesus was ministering to Saul, he taught him the scripture. But beyond that, he was ministering his person to him. He had to come from heaven. He had to, to minister his person. He was teaching Paul both precepts. So Paul was experiencing precept upon precept, precept upon precept, but also line upon line. Line mainly flows from persons. Mainly. When Paul was writing about, you know, we read that Ephesians chapter 2. Praise Jesus. Are you being blessed today? Do you feel? Well, it's very, that should be very clear because it's, uh, we're talking about the formation. Right? So now, of his fullness have we received grace for grace. Right? We beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of what? Grace and what? Truth. Let's see that. Ephesians chapter 2. You say, And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being what? The chief word, cornerstone. I love the word, Jesus Christ himself. Not, the, not just the doctrine of Jesus Christ, not the precept of Jesus. It is, they won't put the word himself if it's not, right? <laughs> himself being the chief cornerstone. So if this cornerstone is inside you, it means that it is it is something from himself, right? The way they describe that thing, it is a stone they will cut from the mountain. That's teaching you something. It's, it is, right? It's hewn without hands. 
hewn out of the mountain. You, are, you need to cut from the person. Jesus knows how to take from his formation and distribute into persons. It's a journey of rock giving birth to other rocks. You do agree with what I mean, <laughs> what I'm saying? That, and built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together, groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for an what? An habitation of God. So this is what he was teaching. He didn't stop talking. For this cause, I, Paul, it was one letter, wow. right? Later they added the chapters to demarcate things. But it's very clear that there's no difference. Why would he say for this cause? You start talking, okay, if I just came today and I just <laughs> met, I said, Benji, for this cause, and I start talking, you know, okay, you, you will feel like, okay, <laughs> did you send me a text or something or voicemail that I didn't listen to before? <laughs> you started talking. So it's, it's clear then that he's talking about the same thing. So you can't separate what he's talking about next from what he just spoke concerning. For this cause, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, if you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to you. So he's not talking about preaching. or Of course, he's a preacher. Let her, yeah, he has that. He's talking about what was given me to you, transferred to me, to transfer to you. It's called the dispensation of the word, the grace of God, which is given me to you, how that by revelation he made not unto me the mystery, as I wrote beforehand in a few words, whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, and now as it is now revealed unto the holy prophets and apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. Wherefore, whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the word effectual working of his power unto me who am less than the least of all saints is this grace given that I should preach among the gender. So the reason why he's preaching is because of a grace. What grace? The grace that should come to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So the reason of preaching and teaching of revelation is to create a, a pathway, is to, to, to make you a destination of a grace. When you start, that's why you must hold precepts. You can't joke with precepts. So. When they are, when they are distributed, when you know, you know heaven sends graces. They have every, everywhere a walk of theirs is on the earth, they know. They have their map in heaven. Right? There's no, there's no vessel that's a carrier of their, their grace that they don't know. Do you get what I'm saying? And there's a way they distribute the, 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 the grace. 
There are some of these grace that may have touched your own hand. Your own. Maybe your own. They know how they distribute graces. But there's a principle of where they send these graces to. That graces only, when you check the GPS of grace, the only addresses you'll find there are addresses of hearts that have presets. Do you understand me? So if you neglect precept, you forsake grace. Do you you get the secret? Why would the Lord want you to be learning precept for years? For years? Even if if you don't have precept, even when grace is around, you won't even know that this is grace. You might insult it. What is nonsense? Why are you doing? Why are you misbehaving? You will. You can never see it as grace. You know why? Because of that. You see that rock is is actually a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. It's an offensive rock, right? One of the, the, the reasons for, pre, for precept is to help you not to be offended. Yes. At the rock. You must, for you not to be offended at the rock, you must have the precept of the rock. Because so that when the rock is showing up, you will recognize the rock. You will, not, you will know what it is. You've been learning about it. The, 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 the precept of the rock has been laid in you. In fact, you have been awaiting for it. Precept describes grace. Right? Every revelation is a description of a grace. That should come to you. Do you get what I'm trying to say? If every precept is an introduction to a grace, there is a, an actual stature that that revelation is describing. If they don't bring the description of it to your heart and you don't gain familiarity with it, it is true precept. Precept heals offense. You don't just take a person that has not been prepared. That was the reason why they had to do some things to Saul. Saul. They had to first blind him. That was the first thing. Some of those things are signs. They are prophetic. Choose some things to blind him a little, incapacitate him, so he can learn scriptures. Made him weak so he can learn scriptures. To make him accumulate. What was he accumulating? Revelation. He called it the abundance of revelation. Let's be exalted beyond measure by the abundance. He sent him a messenger of Satan and all of that to buffet me. Praise God. The, the, the lest I be exalted above measure. There's something called measure. 
right? That's what daddy was teaching us, right? Of course, measure is grace. It's a, measure is the measurement of grace. One can be exalted above measure. Where revelation becomes abundant, revelation can try and exalt you above measure. But you shouldn't. Because revelation will give you, is the giving of precept. Do you understand? But measure is lying. Right, you don't be exalted above lying. Right? What is line? Line is measure. Through the abundance of revelation, there was given unto me a thorn in my flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Verse 8. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. Verse 9. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in thy weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I would rather glory in my infirmities, but the power of Christ I rest upon me. Praise Jesus. So you can see that one of the main things that Jesus did first when he came to him was Jesus did not start by ministering his person to Paul. Jesus must have, even when he appeared, those things that you saw, where sign, it's as if like, there was a light around him. It's a, it's a sense of something. Jesus had that nature. Like the guys on the way to Emmaus. He didn't show his person to them. It was as if they didn't recognize him. He made them not recognize him. So they can't drink of his, they can't, so that, so that they will not, they can't see what is inside of him. He put something around him. But rather, he now started talking to them. He said, through from the law and the prophet, began to expound unto them. Then he expounded and expounded unto the point that they said, ah, please. This is, they recognized him. And then Jesus <laughs> departed from them at that time. So Jesus had, that was our resurrected Jesus, the same one who came to Paul. So he had that kind of operation. So, so he must have ministered to him, a lot of revelation, right? But when to keep him, don't be exalted by because of abundance of revelation. You need grace. It is what you, you should find sufficiency in is grace. It is grace that suffices, yes. right? Well, my grace is sufficient for you. Well, my strength is made what? Perfect in your weakness. Amen. 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 Grace. Say grace. grace. So in this verse 3 of Ephesians, Paul was actually, what he actually received was grace. Though he had a revelation too. But the real thing which Paul had was grace. 
the main thing that apostles are sent with is grace. Though they have letters, but it's mainly, how do you know this first thing they say, grace and peace be multiplied unto you. All the epistles open with that. That's what, that's the real message. It's really grace. But they have to now let, write out all these things. Because if they, they, they try to bring the grace like that, you will be offended. They must, they must prepare the heart. Precept prepares the heart right forward. You must stay with the precept for a long time. Like they were saying to Joshua, let this book of the law not depart from your mouth, but therein, meditate therein. When, when you are meditating in the book, it's precept. Keep staring at the precept. It, it must do some things in your heart. What well, thou shalt meditate therein day and night, so that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is what written word therein. So you keep meditating day and night, day and night, until the observation comes. You don't see this, this thing called observing to do is a, is, a, is a gracious language. It's not everything you see that you have observed to do. <laughs> a lot of times you can see and see, but you are not doing. When you've observed to do, it's another scene. So it's very clear here that observing to do is different from meditation. Right? Meditation is how you receive precept. How precept is laid upon precept in your heart. What they call an observation to do is the laying of lines. You now begin to see lines instead of precept. <laughs> you begin to, when you are beginning to see lines, you are now seeing more than just precept. You are seeing another world entirely. It's called observing to do. It's a grace language. It's another sense, right? It's senses of discernment. This is the sense with which you see the high priest, right? Jesus. What do I mean by persons that you can only see, find grace in person? Another way to put it is that you can't find grace until you're able to, to observe to do, until you can seeing precept is different from seeing stone, seeing stature. Do you get me? What, what, that description I gave you before, where something you're struggling with, you have, you've learned all the revelation about it, why it shouldn't be this way, why it should change, why it should be this one, why it should be patient, why it should be kind, why it should be long-suffering, why it should be all of that, keep no account of wrong, why you should, uh, amen. All of those charity things. When, you, when they now bring you into a, to, in proximity to a person, 
that has those things in them as a building. Two things will happen. You either hate them, offense will ever arise because of the imposition of what they carry. I bring another standard of living. You either agree with it or you will fight it. What would determine which way is whether you have precepts or not. Do you get what I mean? If you don't have precepts, all you'll be seeing is a rock of offense. That's all you'll be experiencing. After a while, you start accusing that nature. You start accusing long suffering. If you start annoying you, is it everything? Patience? Is it in everything? I don't know. Do you get what I'm saying? <laughs> Has the, has the suggestion of patience ever annoyed you before? Yes. What about long suffering? Hey. Have you ever been in a situation where you are with somebody who is patient in a time where they shouldn't be patient? Yeah. How does it make you feel? Yeah. <laughs> how, how does it make you feel? You get offended. So when they say, he that believeth shall not make haste, that power of believing is not just ordinary, it's, it's an acknowledgement of precepts, or the precepts of belief. In other words, you, you should, before, for them, for someone to be in a season where haste should be made, and someone is near you in that season, with you in that season, withholding with you in that season, and exercising long suffering, for you not to get offended, you must believe in long suffering. What can make you believe in long suffering? Even though you might not have the stature of it yet, only precepts of long suffering can do that. If you don't have the precepts, you will not even see why, why, why? This is time to scatter the place and the time to make sure that and, and this is time for you. Have, you, have a, you have a short window, man, to fix this thing. You have, this, are you getting what I'm trying to say? <sighs> Clearly, Jesus got Peter offended. Before his sword was out, before he knew it, you know what I mean? Why would you at this kind of time? <laughs> if there's any moment to be nice. Not this time. This, do, you, do, you, do, you, do you see these guys over here? Do you know what they are coming to do? You know, the disciples, they failed that test many times, many times. <laughs> For some time, Jesus had to reply to John, blessed is he who is not offended at me. Yes. 
Praise Jesus. But you know one of the, the most blessed time when it is so that has the precept comes in contact with grace. You see ancient houses begin to crumble. Begin to fall. You just, just realize fresh agreement will come. Yes, Do you sir. know why? Yes, sir. You know why? Seeing precept is not the same thing as seeing the You know what I mean? Precept is, is doing research. You are exploiting it. I love this club, this company, Blackberry, their name before was Research in Motion. Rim. <laughs> I wonder how they coined that name. So it's not just, grace is not just research. It's research in motion. Thank God for research, spiritual research. We bless you with precept. But you need to see research in motion. It's, the, it's almost like the feeling of having read, maybe you read something in theory for so long. You know, before I came to, I came here, I've read so much in my undergrad about, sorry, in my, my secondary school, even first year, about electric circuits. You know, you can draw it, you can even solve it, you can do everything. I remember my first circuits lab with the breadboard. You mean, you mean I can take, we can now take these lines on paper and then that thing would draw us a resistor. I remember the first time I saw it, so you are this resistor. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, let's test you. Let's see if you will walk. You put the wire, take the circuit from paper, you draw it, actual circuit, put the ball. Then, should they've taught us that V equal to IR, we'll find out today. <laughs> measure the I, measure the R, calculate it. Will it give us V? They measure V. Is it the same as the calculation? You know, that kind of learning is different. It's, another, it's not the same as what you just read. You're literally watching the flow of electricity through um, circuit elements. I remember my, my two courses, my, um, praise God. Not even that one. My, the one to teach microcontrollers. Oh. 
So pretty much the course is where they teach you how to build a computer. That one, and then it's an interfacing course. Right, how a, a computer works, and then you do the practicals, you get a microcontroller, you interface. Are you getting what I'm saying? This is actual things, not just reading it. I'm just giving you examples. Right, that kind of learning is not the same as reading a book. Do you get me? It's like reading how to drive a car. Read it all you want. Do you, do you understand me? You can know everything about driving a car in your brain. But the grace of the nature of a driver can never enter you until a car lands. Then and you must be with somebody who has the stature in them. I remember when I, when I started driving, I, I, it's not just to put, because I, I I, I've been watching, I knew everything. It's not just to put, because it wasn't automatic now, you have to, you know. If you don't press that clutch, that gear will not move, that shift will not move. You have to put the clutch down. Then I, just, then I put it down, I put it in gear, and then to press the accelerator, the car, whoom, and then, but I said, why, 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 why is this not? You know, it's not just pressing that how to press is a gracious operation. Something must, it's a nature that must enter. The amount of press, something must happen to your configuration. There's no level of precept that can teach you that. Something must enter, it's a, it's a micro level transformation. For you to get that car to be moving smoothly like that, easily, nice, slows nicely, moves nicely, something must have happened. It's called grace. It's a type of grace. Are you getting me? So there will be a time when they, just want, they don't just want to teach you revelation. You must see it in a person. And how they bring that in, there are different ways. Apostles, for example, Jesus gives apostles a unique insight into to himself. That's the one thing that makes you an, an apostle. You must have seen the Lord Jesus. Yes, you must not, it's not just that you have you. An apostle sees him. Yes, That's the difference. They don't read, apostles don't read Bible and teach. That's not the work of an apostle. If you are reading Bible, you're not an apostle. Right? Those who if you, if you read Bible and explain scripture, you're not an apostle. Apostles don't explain scripture. Apostles teach person. is who they see. He, he allows them to see him. They can use scripture to teach him. But what they are teaching is not. That's why apostles are conduit of grace. They can, they can broadcast grace. They can this. You understand what I'm saying? That's the grace of a gift of apostolic ministry. That's what Paul was teaching, and I built upon the foundation of apostles and prophets and all of that. Those are those apostles, prophets also see as well. Those are unique offices. They have 
those, those two, they have a teacher doesn't need to be to be seen person to teach. You can teach, you can teach precepts, you can teach many things. Do you understand? A pastor can pastor with materials. I'm not saying they don't have grace. So. Do you understand what I mean? There are way they can they come into graces too. And they can also impart grace at their level. But those two offices, they are key. They, they are those two offices that can, they bring fresh import from the person. Right, they are raised to, to they, they minister the person. They are ministers of grace. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you. Grace and peace unto you. Teaching the person. Amen. But, but where do you get grace from? Like you see those guys, those apostle prophets, they, they fall under the category of where their ministry flows from is the ministry of oil sellers. Do you remember those, those people who they directed the, those virgins? Well, go and buy from them who sell. Not everyone who says they are those who are authorized to sell. <clears throat> they are this, who, are, are, who are the sellers? They are those who have been given right of way to tap oil directly from the trees of witness. Do you understand? They, 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 can, they tap it directly. They have that grace to do that. Are you getting what I'm trying to say to you? That's one thing you should not take for granted. Your apostolic ministry, reverend, it's not something that you should take for granted. It's not just a uh, learning Bible. No, it's not. <laughs> By God's grace, I've I met many Bible teachers before I came to this, this zone. And I, I know the difference. I know the difference. That's why it is one of the things I'm uniquely helped to be able to see. I know the difference between Bible teacher and those who are sent by Jesus. They're not the same. Do you get what I'm saying? Praise God. And now when, when you then come into a, 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 under such ministry, the beauty of such ministry is that when, when grace has come, grace begins to flow. So you can have a measure. This guy can drink your measure. He can also drink from your measure. You can drink from each other. The extent to which you have, you have, you have taken a measure, you've, you've taken of that rock formation, you also can be a conduit of that grace as well. Grace, but ultimately it's of his fullness. We receive, you must... It flows from his fullness. Grace for grace comes from his fullness. Be grace sensitive. Be stature sensitive. Let tune your senses. Thank God for your scripture mind. There's another sense which you need to have, which is another mind, which is those senses of discernment. Is not just be able to read precept, be able to read what? Building. 
gain the skill to read buildings, not just precept. If you are able to read buildings, you'll be able to, you'll be, you'll be able to change quicker. Some people are dull with that aspect. Some people, with all their revelation, they can never see any God in anybody. They can, they can never see any grace. To some, some souls who are bankrupt of this knowledge, everybody is the same. They can, the sense of, you understand what I mean? To be able to, to see, you know what I mean? You think of just, you know, and that's one that I, I love to do, actually. It's not only Bible, it's not every time scripture. So I can, I can meditate on persons for a long time. A long time. When I was just thinking about Pastor Tyre Fast, I was like, what kind of thing is this? I was, uh, I was just, I was just, <laughs> because the Lord was opening my eyes to see him. I wasn't reading, but I was just seeing and him. What was I seeing? All the things that are in him that are not in me. Simple. That's all, all I was just seeing. Take your pick. There are many. There are many stones that you can that you can discern. Well, you know what I mean by that? I mean not reading precept. Read stuff that is working. It is. Do you understand what I mean? <laughs> That's how you get grace. Why? Because if it's working and you can get it, you also be working. If you are only priest to get precept to work, raw like that, <laughs> you don't know all the many things that you get. What I mean? <laughs> Praise Jesus! Sky time was gone. Wow. That's the. That's the key, the secret behind, see, community, body. See all those, all those things. Because God knows. Fools will despise such things. And that's where God put the secret of becoming. Praise Jesus. Father, we glorify your name. Glorify you. These things all glorify you. We're just speaking about your wisdom. Of how you destroyed the works of the enemy. You say, for this reason was the Son of God made manifest that he might destroy all the works of the devil. Yeah, those works will be destroyed, all of them. They have an expiry date. All of those houses of lies, those refuge of lies and dishonesty will be pulled down. They will be torn down. Why? Because, because of grace and truth. You are moving us into a season of grace and of truth. But I pray for every one of us, let our heart be baptized into this reality. I ask for, let your spirit move upon us. Begin to bring about quickening of senses. To read lines. May we begin to see lines. The, the sighting of grace to be able to see statues, to discern measures, even in the spirit. Give it unto us, Father. As many of us who need to journey more and, and, and increase more in our, in our holding of your precepts, in the receiving of your knowledge. Help our heart. And precept be laid upon precept. Precept upon precept. And line upon line, line upon line, even as you desire. Thank you, our Father. We give all the glory to your holy name.
Thank you, Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, interpret this message in everyone's own native language. You will hear it and hear it and hear it and hear it again and again and again. As he said, Jesus said that you will bring to remembrance all that he said to us. Bring these things to our remembrance again until the work is done. Thank you, our God. We give you all the glory. Bless your holy name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You dwell between 